Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, February 2nd, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're in on page 23, and there is a solution. Reading the second paragraph, starting with Once in a While He May, reading and commenting on three paragraphs, ending with Long Before It Is Suspected on page 24. Today's readers are Lisa S. for the 12 Steps, Susan R. for the 12 Traditions, Nancy T., Jody E.Q., and Mo H. The reference number for the 10 a.m. meeting Eastern Standard Time yesterday, uh, Thursday, February 1st, is 20998. And the reference meeting for this morning, Friday, February 2nd at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is, oh, it's a great number, 11,11000. The OA preamble. Excuse me. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask ask Lisa S. to please read the 12 steps. Hello, thank you, um, Lisa S. in Colorado. We admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, Lisa S. And I will now ask Susan R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. Thank you. This is Susan R. in Rhode Island. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a love of God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or run the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Lace problem of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 
Eight, Overeaters Anonymous remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on action rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you very much, Susan R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 23, and there is a solution, starting with the second paragraph, once in a while he may, reading and commenting on three paragraphs, ending with long before it is suspected. And I will ask Nancy T. to please begin reading. Thank you, Elaine. Nancy T., recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho this morning. Once in a while he may tell the truth. And the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. Some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time, but in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they are down for the count. How true this is, few realize. In a vague way, their families and friends sense that these drinkers are abnormal, but everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself from his lethargy and assert his power of will. The tragic truth is that if the man is a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. He has lost control. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. Excuse me. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. Boy, there's a lot in there that resonates with this compulsive overeater, let me tell you. So um, a year ago, I came back from a three and a half year relapse. And of course, because this disease progresses as we go along, it lasted, that was the longest one I'd ever had. And I was a baffled lot. I did not when I left, I had every belief that what this said in that first paragraph, that obsession that somehow this time they're going to beat the game. I thought I had been in a recovered state long enough that this time I can do this. And do you hear the eyes in there? I can do this. But um, in that first paragraph, when it says some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied, well, that's when I left. I had every excuse. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to call people still. I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to be in the book. I'm going to go to meetings. And I had, I really believed I would do that, but it wasn't even two weeks. Within two weeks of that decision, I had picked up my first bite of sugar. And I don't have to tell you if you're a real alcoholic like I am or a real compulsive overeater that that first bite is what did it. I was gone. I was in the disease. And I fought, I fought for three and a half years believing that I'm going to get this this time. But I had passed into that state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking was of no avail. It, no matter how, the harder I fought, the worse it was. 
the obsession seemed to get stronger. And of course, I knew from my years in recovery that I was powerless over this, that it needed a power greater than myself to be able to release me from this, but I couldn't get there because the obsession, the mental obsession and the physical um, cravings had overcome all that, that I couldn't hear that. And um, it wasn't until I was driving home one day with a seat full of binge food and dripping um, sugary substance on my shirt that I realized I said out loud, this is insane. And it was insane. Um, So I was finally able to say, I can't do this anymore. And it was just that little bit of surrender that all of a sudden my eyes were opened for a brief minute. And thank you, God, that you led me to a person that I could call and say, I need help. But this malady, this, um, you know, that belief that somehow someday I'm going to rouse myself from that lethargy, it is a lethargy. I'm not living. I'm just existing. I'm existing from one bite to the next. But for me, I am a real compulsive reader. So that happy day that I thought I would beat it never did arrive. I was I was lost until I finally became willing to put it down and ask for help. Um, and I am so thankful a year later that I did that. So with that, thank you for allowing me to be of service, and I will pass. Thank you very much, Nancy T. Who would like to comment on these three paragraphs? This is Jen A. from Colorado. Okay, I'm going to ask. um, I got a couple names together and didn't quite get anybody. Could you please repeat your name? Marietta P. Marietta P. Diane from Michigan. Diane. Jen A. from Colorado. Jen A., thank you. Leah T. D. Leah T. D. Mo H. Mo H. Kathy Jo P. From Minneapolis. Kathy Jo P. And was there one more? Melanie C. Melanie C. Great lineup. Thank you so much. Let's start with that. I have Mary Etta P. Diane. Um, I hope you'll give us your first initial of your last name when you share next. Uh, Jen A, Leah T D, Mo H, Kathy Jo P, and Melanie C. So Marietta P, please go ahead and you'll be followed by Diane. Star one to unmute, please. Marietta. Marietta P from Virginia. Once in a while he'll tell the truth. Once in a while I tell it you know, every time that I picked up in the past I always had some valid excuse and today I know that that comes from that blank spot you know where my mind just forgets everything I know about program and what harm food has done to me and you know the complacency gets me and uh, you know uh, before the food even comes into play it's I've stopped doing all the must, I must do the tools of reading, doing my quiet time, you know, doing prayer and meditation. And I know for myself, because, you know, I've read that thy will be done will help me through anything that I'm going through. And I forget that. You know, I let life become more important than my staying on course with this program of recovery, you know, and with God's grace, you know, for today, you know, uh, you know, tuning in to a, a meeting and, and then picking up the phone later and, and talking to my fellows about the program of recovery helps me because, you know, the truth is I, ha- I don't know why I picked up the last time I did, but I have plenty of excuses or alibis, and the book tells me that. Boy, this book really, really calls me to my truth, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Marietta P. Diane, you're up next. Could you please give us the first initial of your last name, please? Sure. This is Diane M. from Michigan, and uh, this is my first time sharing on this uh, meeting. I've been I've been listening to meetings pretty much daily for the last five weeks, um, and I'm I'm overwhelmed by how helpful this has been. Um, I have been in OA for 36 years and spent the last at least five years in relapse. Um, 
with the great obsession that somehow someday I would beat the game and have and just tried multiple things um, over the last five years, different medically supervised programs, blah, blah, blah. I won't go into all that, but um, still trying to find freedom. And um, I was told about a vision for you. I'd never heard of it. I didn't even know you existed. I was completely floored to hear people with decades of recovery and absence. I didn't even know that was possible. Um, I'm feeling just tremendously grateful that I was led to vision. I've had five weeks of abstinence. I'm working with my sponsor. I'm on my eighth step right now, making my list. And I'm in tremendous pain right now, um, but accepting that this is what I need to do. I have eaten my emotions over the last five years. I ate through my my father's death, my mother-in-law's death, a move, a job loss, um, and still going to meetings and just not, not getting any recovery. So I, I feel like I've been jettisoned into a new, uh, I don't know how the, how that's worded in the big book, but into a, into a new dimension. Um, anybody that's listening for the first time or is new to this way, I would just encourage you to stick it out. This is, um, this is the best, even though I'm emotionally kind of a wreck right now, this is the best that I have felt in years. And, um, just tremendously grateful for everybody that worked so hard to keep this thing going. Um, and I think, I think I'm done trying to beat the game. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Diane. Um, glad to hear you and any newcomers on the line as well. Jen A, please go ahead and you're going to be followed by Leah TD. Good morning. Thanks so much for moderating today and being of service. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from the state of Colorado. And um, the tragic truth um, is that the death of my best friend brought me to this program. Um, and she was just like me. And I didn't want to die from this disease. So um, my experience is that when I came in, I tried this program my way um, for the first 11 months. And I showed up. I went to meetings. I used some of the tools. Um, I was in compliance with the steps, <laughs> and um, and uh, I kept coming back like they told me, and I relied on a person and a partner to be my higher power. Um, and I, I and I kind of remember it being like this. So I was a swimmer all my life, and um, I would go out in the swimming pool for 60 minutes and practice, and I would give maximum effort out there in the pool every single day, right? And I would, like, hold my breath as far as I could, swim as fast as I can, take another breath, swim as fast as I could, take another breath, swim as fast as I could, and take another breath. And um, I could only do that for 60 minutes, right, for practice. I can't keep doing that all day, every day. And so that's um, kind of what I equated um, this to be like. Um, then uh, eventually in my program, after 11 months, when I was doing uh, the things that I thought um, where was what recovery was all about the bottom fell out, you know, it just completely fell out from underneath me um, So I turned back to what was comfortable um, Binging purging restricting sticking myself with needles Anything I could do to hide and cover up the pain and the shame and the fear continually um, And I kept doing it with support in the rooms um, of OA um, Just so that I could function until that one day when I finally surrendered and I just sat there and it was a prayer of desperation. And it's that help me, God, um, you know, me sitting in my car, wrappers on one seat, vomit out the other side. And then I just remembered what I had heard um, from somebody in vision who had studied the big book for an entire weekend with me. And I pulled that big book back out and I followed those steps precisely with a guide and, uh, came to find a power that was greater than myself, who I call God. I worked these steps as fast as I could. And then when that spiritual awakening happened as a result of working those steps and getting to the end, um, the joy and the freedom and the happiness that I experienced today um, of never having to worry about taking another bite of, of one of my alcoholic foods. Thank you, God. Um, so I'm so thankful for the spiritual solution that I can rely on my higher power 
and that, um, you know, my job is to stay in, in fit spiritual condition every single day. I have to keep right with God, with myself and others. And so I'm so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful that there's the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and that there's recovered people on this line who um, have shown me. Gentle um, reminder that that's just the way um, that I get to be today. So thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you very much, Jen A. Leah TD, you're up next, followed by Mo H. Good morning, everyone. Uh, hello, the big book. Thank you for the people that are serving, for all the people that are here this morning. This is an amazing program. I'm so grateful. I was reading, I, I didn't, English is my second language, so I didn't know what down for the count meant. And then, you know, I, I went to the dictionary and it almost defeated like a boxer who has been knocked down and who will lose the fight if he can't get back on his feet before the referee counts to 10. And man, <laughs> that's me, you know. I... You know, and I, I love those movies, you know, the Rocky, and I used to love watching them, and I, I would be in awe at how Rocky would be beat up, and his teeth would come out, and his face would be bruised and swollen and, and dismorphed, you know, and, you know, and he'll take maybe a day or a few days, and, and then you'll see in the movie that his face is kind of a little, is a little bit still bruising, a little blue around his eyes. And stuff. But he's ready for another you know, round. And that was me. I, and I did not understand. You know, I thought this is it. This is my last, this is my last round. You know, it can't be worse than that. But here I am again. I am back in the ring. I'm fighting again. I'm, I'm gonna, I get beat up again. And, you know, and I've been in the program for a long time, and I heard people that recovered, and I heard I saw people recovered, and I saw people that left the, the this profession. <laughs> they stopped boxing, they gave up, they surrendered. I couldn't surrender. I couldn't surrender. I really couldn't. I I kept you know I, I didn't register that this is not for me that I can't play this game anymore. You know until. February 27th, the evening, that's really, you know, uh, 2000, where I, it was my, I was beat to the ground. There was no, nothing left in me, and I surrendered, and I stayed on the ground for a long time. I didn't get up. I let the referee count to 10, and I surrendered, and, and that meant, you know, I weighed my food since then, you know, I... I followed whatever others told me to do. I worked with such, and, uh, you know, I got freedom. Uh, and now I lost my train of thought. But I'm grateful for that. You know, the thing is that I can't give it to anyone. I have tried to give it to people by explaining, and I cannot do it. You know, and until my experience is until you're completely defeated and you don't want to play this game and be beat up again, is really... Nothing that I, I didn't even understand what allergy to, uh, an allergy meant until I was clean from the food. So I'm so grateful, you know, and gentle I'm grateful reminder. also for the beating. And I'm going to thank you for the gentle reminder. I love you all and have a great day, Alka. <laughs> thank you very much, Leati D. Mo H., you're up next, followed by Kathy Jo P. Uh, thank you, Elaine. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, this is Mo H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and what a privilege to be on the line this morning and to hear all the shares before me. Thank you, everyone, for your service, and welcome to the newcomers. I have had a really uh, rough week. My husband had surgery on Tuesday, and it's been, uh, I've been kind of off kilter, I call it, off the beam. And my program has been a little, I've been, I've been pulling from the bank and I need to start putting back into the bank. Uh, but I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Uh, at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. And that happened for me in October of 2015. And I had been in the room since 1989. 
And I had had many, many long uh, periods of abstinence with no sugar and no flour and weighing and measuring my food. But somehow I ended up back in the food. And why? I can, I can name all kinds of excuses. I was doing a lot of service. I was on the Region 2 board. I was, uh, had a lot of family things, da, 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 da. Well, it didn't matter. I was back into the sugar, and I was back into the sugar worse than when I had left the sugar five years earlier. I couldn't believe how fast the disease came back. Um, I couldn't believe that uh, the most powerful desire to stop, I tried, I tried, I tried. I couldn't stop until I made a call to someone whom the problem had been solved. I didn't know that she was studying the big book. I had never studied the big book like she has helped me study it for the last two years. And I am just ever so grateful for every word she has said to me, every guidance she has given me, every suggestion. And now I can be there for others. Um, I can't do this alone. I need all of you. I need my higher power. And I need to work this program as if my, I hear it uh, on the lines, as if my hair was on fire. So I think with that, I will pass. Ever grateful to be back on these meetings. And uh, everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, Mo H. Kathy Jo P., you're up next, followed by Melanie C. Hi, this is Kathy Jo P. in Minneapolis, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I, um, when I left OA in 1986-87, I'm not even sure when it was, I stayed out for 22 years. And most days I pretended like I didn't care. I pretended like I didn't want to be at peace with food or at a healthy body weight. And I pretended like I didn't overeat. I had myself convinced that people would say, you eat so healthy, you, you know. I, I really believed that I did not overeat and I weighed 303 pounds. And then I have moments now where I remember going to an AA event where they had bowls of candy at every table, and I went to every single table asking if I could have the Biddle Honeys and shoving my pockets full of these Biddle Honeys. And I thought that was normal, and I was bumping people with my hips, going around their chairs, getting every damn Biddle Honey in that place. But I still thought, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then my blood pressure would be up and my headaches would keep me up in the middle of the night for two or three hours. And I would say, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then I would have my seatbelt not fit me or not fit in a ride at an amusement park or not being able to walk up a little hill with my kids because I was so out of breath and I would try to tell myself it's not that bad. And I can't even tell you if it got that bad. I, all of a sudden one day, had OA and the program back in my face and I came. And in the 12th step, it says having had a spiritual awakening. And for me, part of that awakening or the lethargy that they're talking about here is that I was asleep. I was like a walking zombie that had no idea that 22 years had gone by by the time I came back. And I also want to mention that it talks in here about willpower. And I remember when there was a phase and people were talking about want power. And it was, it's not about willpower, it's about want power, if you want this. Well, I'm going to say in my prayers this morning, I prayed that God will help me remember that food is not the solution. Because I still believe that I could forget. My want power is not good. My willpower is not good. But what works is the God power that's talked about in this book. And we need to get that God power so that we can be free and that we can 
live a day at a time in this program, abstinent, at peace with ourselves, and at peace Gentle with reminder. around us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Kathy Joe P. Melanie C., you're up next. Hi, Elaine C. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Elaine B. This is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. The um, tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. In reflection, uh, some years back, I had recalled at 16 years old, um, I was walking in from the living room. I think I'd just gotten out of school and I was walking into the living room, from the living room into the kitchen um, about six or eight times because I had um, promised and vowed to be on a diet it was my wonderful, famous red licorice diet with a with a single container a day yogurt backer, and um, it was really successful. I had lost a lot of weight on it, and back and forth I was going. And this audible voice in that kitchen came to me, and it said, um, "If you don't get a handle on this, and you're desperately late in the game already, you're never going to." And that just sunk in my heart so deep that I thought that I would never forget it as I was going to the refrigerator and commenced to to um, put on hiatus my red licorice and yogurt diet for today because I was going to get back on it tomorrow. And I desperately and frantically continued to pursue that, searching for reasons because, you know, reasons are the precursor to a solution, right? And a solution that works, and that I had gotten myself into that groove of rallying myself around and then falling to the bottom and seeing that as the solution because I had convinced myself that it had worked, and my story isn't like any isn't different than anybody else's here. That's what I went through all along. I didn't know what the disease looked like. I didn't know what was going on, but I certainly became an expert at rally drop, rally drop, rally drop, and it got really, 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 really messy and ugly. I just loved it, the image that was given because that's exactly me. God, Melanie, you're bloodied. Stay down. I didn't know. I was absolutely out of my mind, out of my mind. And the, the social situations around me demanded, demanded that I be 110 when I was nowhere near that at 16 years old. And, of course, the subsequent things and the emotions that go along with that and the things that I took on, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a punishment, you know, for that kind of behavior it just became awful. And so that when at 50 years old, 34 more years, mind you, something happened. And I wasn't done. I was sitting down in front of a Jethro-sized bowl. I don't know if you know that term, but it's one that we use in our household. It's a, it's a, it's a bowl that somebody would whip up a cake mix in filled with cereal and milk and I was just done I didn't care anymore again that voice came and I don't know why here why then the dark circles under my eyes clear down to the top part of my jawbone my hair a disarray hadn't had a bath in many many days not to mention teeth brushing or taking care of children I wasn't doing anything except for crying in this bowl and the voice Central said to me reminder. again, oh, I'm going to have to stop, said, and from that point, the rest is history. I should have given more time to the recovery and the miracle that's in these big books and the people that put it into my life. I wish I would have. Thanks so much. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melanie C. So for those who joined us um, more recently today, we are commenting on three paragraphs today. On pa starting on page 23 and there is a solution. We're starting with the second paragraph, once in a while he may, and we're reading through three paragraphs ending on the top of page 24 with long before it is suspected. Who would like to comment on those two paragraphs today? Courtney three B. Three paragraphs. Courtney B. Robin Joby. Terry H. Robin Joby and Carrie H. Lindsay B. Thank you. Jamie F. Jim M. Okay. M. Okay, I got um, Jamie S., Jim M., and Ari M., and we may not have time for all of you, but uh, let's see how we do. So Courtney B., I believe it is, Robin Joe B., Terry H., Lindsay C., I believe it is, Jamie S., uh, 
Jim M. and Allie M. Okay. So, Courtney B., please go ahead, followed by Robin Joe B. This is Courtney B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Well, when, as we were reading it, oh, I just, my heart just jumped with joy and delight and giggles because I, re, what I was taught, I, step one, I just, how do I get this weird truth? Because there was so much shame. I was just drenched in shame that I couldn't stop eating. And, and then I was taught the great obsession of every abnormal eater is to be, is that I will someday somehow be able to control and enjoy my eating. And if I got enough therapy, if I prayed enough, if I became of normal weight, if I worked the steps, then I could become a normal eater. And you guys said, no, 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 no. I had a permanent condition. I could arrest it, but I'm not going to cure it. And that kind of, that startled my, oh, my God, now what? And I started thinking about, well, wait a minute. How are normal eaters different than abnormal eaters? What do normal eaters say? And I started listening and paying attention. Normal eaters say, do you want to split this? This is too much food. It's too rich. It's too sweet. I forgot to eat. I'm too nervous to eat right now. I've lost my appetite. Let's just order one and split it. Yeah, nah, not me. How do normal eaters think about food and eating? Most of the time they don't. They aren't preoccupied with food. They aren't obsessing when their next food intake is or how close it is. They don't wonder what types of food are at the party. They don't obsess over how to eat in public. They don't plan ahead to sneak, puke, or starve after eating. They don't figure out how to take food home from a party. They enjoy the company instead of longing for what others are eating. They don't notice who is eating what and how much. Oh. What do I say? I have to have it right now. I just got to take the edge off. I'll feel better after I have it. I need some. I'll feel better. I'll start a diet on Monday. I can control this with enough prayer, exercise, and shrink time. Oh, I know. I'll have a cheat day, and I'll get right back on the straight and narrow tomorrow. I'll only have eight. No, no. Okay, I'll only have six. Oh, I do have a mental obsession. And the freedom to say, oh, I do have a tweak, and I didn't cause it, can't control it, but it can be arrested a day at a time. And it started moving me out of the shame. Thank you, God, for step one. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Courtney B. Robin Joe B., you're up next, followed by Terry H. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much. This is Robin Joby, um, recovered in Missouri, um, and, uh, you know, just so very grateful, and, and I always like to say, um, by God's grace, um, totally nothing I've done, and for his glory, um, and um, so today's Groundhog's Day, um, 2018, so 10, um, no, eight years ago today, um, Groundhog's Day 2010 um, was my first OA meeting. Um, it was a face-to-face meeting. I had to drive 85 miles one way to get to it. I um, finally, um, I finally admitted to my husband that I was uh, bulimic and had a problem. He come home from work and I, I was crying and I said, you know, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm broken and uh, I, I think I might have found. Um, what I need, um, but it's clear in St. Joe, you know, and our boys were little, and it was a big deal, and and he said, go, um, but that earlier that day, I had planned um, a binge, I, I grabbed the, the whole box of um, of pancake mix, and I was going to make the whole thing, and, and I had done it many times, and, um, and I was just going to have me a feast, and then um, I was going to have me a big purge, and uh, and I just prayed as I was reaching the cabinet. I just prayed. And the next thing I knew, I was down to the mailbox getting the mail. Um, how had I gotten out of the house? And and, and anyway, um, I did end up um, binging that day. Um, but I also remember thinking, 
I know about AA. I knew there was an AA, and I knew there was an OA, and I admired people that went to AA. So why couldn't I, um, you know, why couldn't I do this for myself? And it was pride, definitely pride. Pride is, you know, is the enemy of everything for me. Um, but um, so, so I went to that meeting. So eight years ago today, I learned that um, I, I already had a higher power. I loved the Lord already. I I had prayed and prayed for um, for um, deliverance from this. I knew He was my answer. The thing was, I wasn't believing it. Um, and I was thinking that not only was I had did I have all these these um, eating disorders, but I was such a sinful person for treating this body that he's given me like this. And so I had all the, the guilt and the shame and the sin. It was just overwhelming, just overwhelming. And so 85-mile drive home, uh, I got to think all by myself um, that I'm not a bad person needing to get good. I'm a sick person needing to get well, and God loves and me. And he, thank you. He wants to do it for me, and He has been. He has been doing it for me, um, and I'm just so thankful that I finally, um, you know, just trusted in 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 my faith. Just really trusted in it and believed it. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robin Joe B. Terry H. You're up next, followed by Lindsay C. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive eater, bulimic, anorexic in North Carolina. Uh, very grateful today. Um, I, I will beat the game, you know, the mental obsession that, you know, led me to believe that I could beat the game if only I asserted my will, my power of will. Um, you know, that was a lie that my disease told me over and over and over again. And... Um, you know, it, it just, you know, I've been independent most of my life and, and uh, you know, a survivor and, you know, been able to be successful and do well and, and asserted my, you know, self-will, my self-sufficiency in a lot of areas in my life that helped me get to where I was, to, to where I am today. But it didn't help me in my disease. And, you know, it brought me down to that dark, dark, dark place you know, over and over, telling myself, I'll start over again tomorrow, I'll get, I'll put it down tomorrow, tomorrow's a new day, tomorrow's a fresh day, and, you know, it never worked, you know, my disease always brought me right back in to the foods and the foods behaviors, um, and, you know, my belief that I was in control was such a lie, such a lie that my disease told me every day, Throughout the many, many years, you know, I'm purging all day long. And then I, you know, I'm telling myself I'm in control. That's, that's just ridiculous. And the whys, the why, why, whys, you know, the riddle of the whys, you know, I, I never could solve that riddle, you know, as I was searching. And, you know, today as a, as a recovered woman working the steps and, and practicing the principles and seeking uh, guidance from my higher power, you know, I don't have to answer those why questions. I don't have to exert my, you know, willpower or my self-sufficiency. You know, all I have to do is, is seek my higher power's guidance and seek to be of maximum service and do take the actions each and every day, um, working those, the, the steps. You know, the tools didn't get me recovered. Going to OA meetings did not. Step meetings, speaker meetings, topic meetings, 12 and 12, none of that got me recovered. It was only by working the steps and, and doing, taking the actions, working the steps, and having a spiritual experience as a result. And so, you know, abstinence, abstinence. I had to put down those foods and put down those food behaviors and get to work. And I'm just so grateful for that today because today I can look at the sky. It's cloudy with some blueness in it, and I can see it, and I can feel the wind on my cheek. And I don't live in fear and shame today, and I'm grateful for that. Thanks. I pass. Thank you very much, Terry H. 
Lindsay C., you're up next, followed by Jamie S. It, uh, this is Lindsay. Did you call my name? I'm sorry. Yes, please go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah, hi, this is Lindsay B. from New Hampshire, grateful, compulsive overeater. And um, I um, I wasn't going to call in today. Um, I'm homesick with the flu, but I have to just say right now is that when I'm sick is one of the most dangerous times for me. Um, it's really um, easy for me to fall into that sort of self-pity mode. And also, you know, well, there's no way I can eat my planned food, whatever. And for me, that's just, you know, that's me not taking my medicine. And um, right, what really speaks to me here, you know, this obsession that someday we'll be able to beat the game. And also that, you know, he has no idea why he took that first drink. And, you know, for so long as a person that's, you know, been in the room since 1980, in and out, and have also been in a normal sized body for probably 30 years. And I'm one of those people that just switch, switches addictions. And it's very easy for me to just, you know, fall into that place where I start comparing myself. And when people start talking about all the, you know, things that they can't do and their blood pressure and, you know, being too big to fit in seats and all that, I didn't have that experience, but off, but my life was shut down, so I can't even do any of those things. So, you know, it, it, it is a dangerous, dangerous disease for me. And as long as I try to outwit this disease, and that's what I do, it's still a part of me that wants to outwit it. And today, I have no desire to outwit this disease because, you know, I have hope today. And, um, you know, it's that ego, you know, easing God out. My default is to shut down my heart um, and then there's no hope for me, no hope at all. When my heart is open and I turn to God for guidance and support and keeping my heart open, I have a chance. You know, I, somebody said last week, you know, they, they have to remember they wake up, as a, wake up as an untreated addict. And that sounds so terribly harsh, but oh my gosh, is it true? You know, the person that um, has cancer doesn't wake up and say, well, the treatment appears to be working. You know, I don't need it today. And and that is the same throughout the day. You know, well, there's no way I would pick up and eat right now. I've got flu and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I will. I'll binge. You know, so on top of feeling so lousy with the flu, I will. But, you know, I, I am capable of doing that. And today I'm in touch with God, and I believe that God will hold me through another day where I don't have to do that. Um, my ego really is my biggest my biggest problem. And um, today I don't have to be down for the count. And uh, I can be grateful that I'm here today, able to do some some work that I wouldn't have had the time to do if I'd gone to work today. So uh, with that, I pass. Thank you all. Thank you so much, Lindsay B. And I'm I'm sorry that we're running out of time. We we just have time for one more share, and that would be Jamie S. Please go ahead, Jamie. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. This is Jamie. Should I share? Yes, please. Okay, thank you so much. It's Jamie F., actually, as in food. Should be easy to remember. I'm in Philadelphia. Um, and I I really want to appreciate everything that everyone has been sharing all morning because it is helping me to to distinguish the true from the false, which is, uh, really the essential problem of my disease. I cannot tell the true from the false. And in that work, in that step one work, which I too have been doing for decades, I need to distinguish the true from the false. So the true compulsive overeater, which is myself, uh, from the from the idea and the illusion that I'm like everybody else. And that's been sometimes tricky for me because of there are people very close to me and most of my family members who are heavy eaters or have some food issues but are not necessarily compulsive overeaters. And there's a very huge difference there, and I am. So there's plenty of people that have food or weight or body or other other issues that are not compulsive overeaters that talk about food and weight but do not have the the problem that I have. And the problem that I have is that I think I don't have a problem and I forget things like forget what I ate earlier in that day. I also 
can uh, separate the food problems from the other problems and um, try to not see them as a manifestation. So I just want to say that I've spent probably 20 years of my life saying, what's wrong with me? from a place of shame and pain. And, you know, there's been therapists and others saying, no, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's just society telling you you're, you're wrong, but really there's nothing wrong with you. But there is something wrong with me, and that's the best news I've heard ever <laughs> because now I know what it is, and I can get on with things and stop trying to explore what's wrong with me, why do I, you know, this, that, and the third. Now I know it, and so I can be in the solution with everybody else. So it's just so good to, to feel a part of this group, to know what's wrong with me deeply, um, and to be part of a group where they I need you guys. That's all. I thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you very much, Jamie F. And sorry to uh, Jim and Allie, but it will help me to hear from you in upcoming meetings. And thanks to everybody that shared. We will now transition the meeting by reading from the big book on page 164. Will Jody EQ please read a vision for you? Yes, I will. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>